I'm Nathan Gould. And I'm Lazarus Grimelson. Welcome back to The Back Peg, episode 18. And Nathan, we've got a, a great guest with us this week. We do indeed, Laz. We're going to be joined by Val Miliacho, who's president of Adelaide City and respective football journalist in this country. It'll be great to pick Val's brain on everything National Second Division, Football SA, and just football media as well. It'll be great to have a good chat with him. Yeah, indeed. Looking forward to it. And joining us on the backpack this week, it's a very warm welcome to football writer and Adelaide City President Val Miliacho. Val, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. Let's get stuck in, Val, to Adelaide City, where yep. I believe you've been president there for a little over six months. And uh, just recently, in the last month or so, you've got a brand new link with Atalanta. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it's uh, we, we formed an affiliation with Atalanta, Bergamasco Calcio. Um, it's been on my radar for a good 20 years. Um, I've had a good relationship with the youth manager of the club who I've known since about 2002. He was um, he was charged firstly with the development of Kiel Verona. So he started off with Kiel Verona. His name is Loris Margotto, and um, I brought him and his partner, Paolo Nicolato, to Australia in 2007 um, to do a youth camp with Campbelltown City in the National Premier League here in South Australia, or the state or it was called Premier League back then. Um, Paolo Nicolato is currently the under-21 coach of the Italian national team, um, so we're still in good contact with him. And we've been talking with, with Loris and Paolo because they saw here in Australia there was so much scope for improvement. They, they, they saw the raw product. They saw that the climate, and they came here in the middle of July in, in Adelaide, which is our coldest month, but still you can still, you can still play football, even though the pitches weren't that great. So we've been talking about it for a long, long time. Um, I couldn't really do anything with it because obviously I had a, a, a role with News Corp Australia and that would have been a conflict of interest. And mm. back in 2019, I, I caught up with both of them um, in Italy. I, I see them regularly when I go there in Verona. And, and Loris had got a job with uh, Atlanta and, and Paolo with the Italian national team a few years before that. He, he moved from the under-17s right up to the under-21s. And we talked about bringing something to Australia. And in 2019, I said, yep. Yeah. I said, uh, I'll, I'll make it happen, but I can't do it right now. And then COVID hit. And then uh, I was made redundant at News Corp. I still work for them sort of as a freelance. And mm. I got the opportunity with Adelaide City and started, um, how can I say, introducing it to the board, the idea, back in May last year. It wasn't received really all that well. I don't think um, they really understood what it was all about. So a new board sort of came about in about September and it sort of evolved from there. So it's exciting for Adelaide City. We've now opened up a door to um, directly into Italy, club to club, and they're actually mentoring some of our coaches right now as we speak. And it's a fantastic opportunity for us. Uh, with the initial resistance that you felt from the board there, Val, was that because of the historic perception from us in the Eastern Seaboard, I guess that the club had a affiliation or, you know, it was originated or formed by supporters of Juventus. Yeah. Yeah. Was that, that, that was part of it. Right. That, that was part of it because obviously our club was formed in 1946 as mm. Juventus. 
And then I think 66, it went to Adelaide Juventus and 77 went to Adelaide City and mm. Juventus was sort of dropped. So the name was born, obviously named after the club mm. in, in, in Turin, mm. yeah. Juventus. But, um, I think that was part of the resistance and people were saying, well, why don't you form an affiliation with Juventus? And it, that isn't easy because Juventus is one of the biggest clubs in the world. They've got academies, which they franchise, which Correct. our club, Adelaide City, have used maybe five years ago. Right. But you don't get anywhere near the club, sure. so to speak. It's a franchise. Um, I see it as a good money-making opportunity mm-hmm. for the for the for franchise yeah. for our club at the time, but there's no direct link. And sure. I try to explain it to some of the people. They didn't get it. Yep. And I still ask questions, why not Juventus? And I tell them the same story. <laughs> it, it, that would have been ideal, but it's sure. not happened. But Atlanta, yeah. um, like I said, I've I've had this great relationship mm. with Loris Margotto and, and Paolo Nicolato. They trusted me and I trust them. And and this is, uh, it, it's another step because Atlanta's the best development club in Italy. You, you can't yep. deny what they've done over the last 30 years. And, and I think they're ranked number seven in uh, Europe. Yeah, for development, and over the past five years, I think mm. they've on the transfer market. Yeah, they've earned about five hundred million yeah. euro in transfers, and some of these players haven't even played for Atlanta. Yeah, they move them on, and that's the sort of project that I think Australian football clubs need to get into because mm. there's such a big transfer market out there. Mm. But all we're doing at the moment, we're going around and around in circles and recycling a lot of players, as you probably know. So yeah. I'm offering an opportunity. They've offered an opportunity, and hopefully we can follow this through. There's been a lot of links previously between MPL clubs and clubs in Europe. One that stands to mind is the one from Marconi and Borussia Dortmund from a few years ago, is the one that I sort of uh, can link earliest. Tell us what is different about this partnership, what you're really trying to get out of it, and what benefit you're expecting really long-term from Adelaide City's point of view. Well, the benefit from the partnership, it's, I mean, there's there's a lot of aspects to it. One, we are, and I'll, I'll be straight up front, Atlanta will not release their entire curriculum because they this mm. is IP that they've built up over 30, 35 years. And um, the Stefano Bonacorsi, who's still involved at the club at the highest level for the juniors, he has been instrumental in developing this plan. So we are getting at the moment, we, we're getting snippets of what they're actually doing um and they're feeding us we've got domenico gunjemi who's based in perth he's the head of the affiliation for oceania he's the direct link for our coaches and basically we're trying to get our children up to another level and obviously there's opportunities now and it's direct door to door i don't have to say to our kids Come go with this guy over there. He'll take you around, play a few matches in Europe, and then it's like playing cross lotto. No, mm. this is direct. And Atlanta having the first affiliation outside of Italy for the first time in their history, they're now looking at expanding their markets and, and they're starting to look at more markets in Australia for the affiliation, US and Canada. Mm. But it it just it's opened up a direct door and, and that's what we're working on. Yeah, it's uh Interesting that, um, and you're right there, Val, with regards to Atalanta and the last five years in particular, all you have to do is look at how they've progressed in Serie A and they've been there or thereabouts with regards to the Champions League places as well and, yeah. you know, um, enjoyed, you know, recent success. And 
probably just a bit overshadowed with Napoli winning the Scudetto uh, this season, right? But otherwise, we'd be talking about Atalanta, you know. Yeah, no, absolutely, and, and it's it's not a big club. It's it's a it's a town or a city of a hundred thousand people, and it's a really really tiny club which was worked hard in development and, and got to this point. And they've got ninety three affiliate clubs in Italy, and and like I said, stated previously. It is the number one development club in Italy and always has been because they've purely focused on developing their own to get them out into mm. the bigger marketplace. Mm. And you see, they don't have to be Italians either. I mean, mm. they, they can follow the nations. We're seeing it now. Yeah, sure. And, and they're playing a brand of football under uh, the, their current boss at the moment. It's mm. fantastic. Like you said, twice in the Champions League three or four years ago, unheard of of, mm. of these type of small clubs. So... I think it's something that a club in Australia like us should should be aspiring to, and getting some of their IP and getting some of their uh, just what what it's all about because their their total focus was on development and they built this club which was a tiny little club into being among the powerhouses in Italy and playing Champions League. Is that something you're looking to perhaps pick their brain on as well? How to grow a football club because this is a nice link to Adelaide City's push for the National Second Division. And if you guys get the green tick on that front, then you'll raise your profile and grow as a club and everything that comes with that. Is there something to learn on that front as well? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. They they they, they can teach us so much in terms of football and, and how they're set up and infrastructure. And we've I've got to be quite frank, we've got a long, long way to go, you know, to, to catch yeah. up to being anywhere near what what Atlanta is about, or any club in the city, or even City mm. B is all about. Mm. But uh, like I said, this is opening doors, and if if people want to learn and want to expand, um, get out of our little bubble. I think this is an ideal opportunity, and uh, hopefully, it could work. And if we do get to the next stage of the national second division and get in there, there's opportunities for for our players to be linked to clubs. In Europe and also the other way around. Yeah, you know, we can look at what they can offer us in terms of bringing visa players here to help help our our team. Mm, yeah, it's been a uh, it's been a big twenty four hours for news with regards to the uh, national second division with uh, yeah. Adelaide City obviously uh, making the tw- the cutoff of the twenty six. Mm. Uh, what is the expectation of your supporters and and uh, the club administrators, the board? Uh, with regards to how you guys are placed. Uh, I mean, you're a historic club, you know, well and truly entrenched in the folklore of Australian football. Uh Um, So what is the expectation right now as you guys sit, having made the the top 26 thus far? Um, Well, I think we've got to tread carefully. Um, Mm -hmm. We've got to do our homework, the, the due diligence, and really wait to see what, the national second division entails. Mm. Personally, my ambition is to get the club onto the highest stage possible. Yeah, there um, back in two thousand and three. That's twenty years ago when we <laughs> left the National mm. Soccer League, and then Adelaide United sort of came in on the back of Adelaide City. And uh, what annoyed me about that immensely was that the South Australian Soccer Federation um, took it upon themselves to start up a club and mm. really put us in the back burner rather than helping us out because mm. we needed help all the time. Yeah. And um, that, I think, wasn't a good thing for the game. Okay, mm. Adelaide United has, has grown on leaps, leaps and bounds, but mm. 
you've had a member club started up in 46 that has done so much and produced so many socceroos and mm. then you just shut aside. So that 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 hurt. But I mean, moving forward now, um, my ambition personally is to play on the highest level level possible, and that's not only for 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 the guys. Mm. I'm hoping that we can do that for the women as well because yeah. the women at our club, unfortunately, has always been secondary. I don't want it to be like this. Mm. I mean, look look at women's football in Europe. Look at it in the US, mm. and we've got to get up to that level again. But we've we've got a chance to do it. Um, there's a lot of stuff that needs to be done. At present, if we they said next week get into the national second division, away we go. We're not ready. We're not mm. ready with uh, administration, with the football, the whole lot. So we're going to need time, and obviously, people to jump on board and and back us to you know towards the future. Mm. Another question with regards to that, I noticed with the list of the, the twenty six there that um, there's two uh, entrants. What from South Australia? One is yourselves, obviously Adelaide yeah. City, and another one to, known as Football South Australia. Yeah, have strange. you got it? Yeah, have you got any light that you can share on that? Because I've I've noticed that, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> mind you, this has only come out in the last twenty four hours, as far, like being with the list that that's come out. So, have you got any light that you can yeah, share well, on that? Back in February, um, the chief executive of Football South Australia gave me a call and mm. invited me to the table. Uh, regarding the national second division, mm. and it was alongside the president of Campbelltown City, mm-hmm. uh, the president of uh, Northeast Metro Stars, mm-hmm. and the president of Burkala. Um, for some reason, I had it in my calendar, but I missed the meeting. It was right. unintentional. <laughs> I missed that first meeting. Sure. <laughs> but it, exactly. it, was, it was just a brain fade on my part because uh, life at that time was pretty hectic. Um, but I, in the, in, in the meantime, then we are discussing with the board about us entering the, you know, the expression of interest stage and, and we agreed, yes, we're going forward. And then I got invited to the second meeting, um, which was at Jeps Cross, the new home base of football sure. SA. And, but my feeling was from the other clubs, um, okay, this is a governing body who's supposed to be looking after us. Mm. We're paying is to keep these guys alive mm-hmm. and they're going in against clubs. Uh, mm-hmm. I can't work it out. Yep. And to be fair to the chief executive, Michael Carter, he said it's going to be owned by clubs. Okay. I can't see how 36 clubs are going to own one club mm. and all agree. You get 36 heads in football. You know how emotional that is. Well, yeah. <laughs> you, can see, you can see how football Australia, you can see all jacks aside, you can see how football Australia's run, right? I mean, hey, you know, a lot of heads, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm finding it weird because it's a governing body who's actually put mm. in the bid. Yeah. And even the second stage. And I'm thinking, well, if you do this in a country like England, say, I don't know, uh, one of the counties. Let's say, yeah, exactly. Let's say Football oh, Yorkshire, for instance, right? Yeah. Football Yorkshire said, okay, uh, Leeds, you're out. We're going to go in. We're going to get mm. all the clubs in Yorkshire to, to oust Leeds United. Mm. What do you think would happen in England? It'd be I an uproar. It'd be an uproar. I don't think I'm being funny here. No, uh, look, uh, I, I agree with you. Actually, I, given what you've said now in the context of that, I actually think it's it's laughable in the sense that this national second division was, I guess, a an avenue for grassroots. You know, well, 
grassroots football or ex-NSL clubs that felt agrees being, you know, not being able to be a part of the A-League, right, to try and re-establish um, some familiarity within the Australian football landscape and, and provide an avenue to, you know, eventually have promotion and relegation, right? So now basically we're starting a new, effectively, from what you're telling us, we're starting a new licence you know, or getting a new license for a club that doesn't exist, that has no infrastructure aside from being backed by a football federation. I thought, it, yeah, it's it's mind-boggling, actually. And I'm not being critical of Football South that. Australia. Yeah. And if you look at the criteria put out by Football Australia and it says in the national second tier, if your club is in that national second tier, you're out of the NPL. Correct. So essentially 36 clubs from South Australia – so NPL, State League 1, State League 2, all become a partner, mm. all out. So he's going to be playing in the lower tier. It's a strange of, way of putting it. This For me, it doesn't make any sense at it, the moment. This Yeah, it, it it raised a lot more questions than that need to be answered, I think, at this point now yeah. that we've come to this stage, right? It, yeah. I just found it um, – and I'm glad but, you've been able to shed some light on it. But, but again, it, it's a governing body. Yeah. <laughs> I, mm. Imagine Football Australia saying, okay, well, we feel like putting a team from Sydney in. Yep. Let's get all the let's get all the guys out of Sydney, put some money in. Okay, you can run the club, but it's our club. Mm. Yeah, Football New South Wales. You're you're given a license, yeah. Effectively. I, I don't think we we'll go down very well. Uh I would think that you'd get a lot of Sydney clubs kicking up a huge stink right now. It doesn't make a lot of sense. And and it annoys me a little bit because we go again. We go back twenty years ago. Adelaide United essentially was owned by the South Australian Soccer Federation until Gordon Pickard took that over. So it was run by the federation mm-hmm. initially, right? For the good of the game, for the good of the game. Yeah, but you've actually punted one of your most historical clubs that has done so much for the state of South Australia to get this club up and running. And this, to me, smacks of Adelaide United Part Two. I, I, I don't. Can, agree. I can understand that uh, that feeling because. As we've been saying, it is a new club that's going to come out of nothing and take the place of one of the clubs you mentioned earlier, like Campbelltown City or Northeast Metro Stars. It does seem strange that it's got past this initial culling period where we did lose six teams. I personally don't really see it getting into the final selection. Perhaps you've got a different opinion. Maybe they, there's something behind the scenes that we don't know as of yet as to why they're still in the running for it. But talk to us about some of the more hoops you have to jump through to be selected for this second division. How much further down the line do we have to go? Well, I have I, at the moment we haven't got enough uh, factual information. There's a lot of there's a lot of hearsay yeah, about sure. how much money it's going to cost to to pay Football Australia every year to to, to hold a license. Um, how many teams are going to be in the competition? How much travels involved? Are we able to? Travel in the morning, play the game in the afternoon, fly out by night so we can save thousands. There's there's so much information we don't know about. Um, on the other hand, uh, to be brutally honest, our facilities at Adelaide City aren't ready. Um, so that's that's another hurdle we've got to jump. Uh, they're not up to scratch. You know, I I I I wouldn't like to see our games played there at the stadium as it is right now. We've got we've got to bring it up to scratch. We've got to make mm-hmm. it an experience for fans and officials and stuff like that. There, there's so much to go through at the moment, and we haven't got enough information where I can't give you, mm-hmm. you know, and I can't even supply the board 
say, okay, it's going to cost us a million dollars license fees. It's going to cost us a million dollars in play. I can't even give them that information. So we can only guess and guessing okay. is what. And Val, we're right in thinking that the NSD or National Second Division is slated for kickoff in the 2024 year, or is yeah. it being pushed back to 2025? At the moment, it's still 2024, but right. time is running out. It is. That's all I'm yeah. Running. Yeah, it is. So going forward, if Adelaide City were successful in terms of the NSD, uh, where would you be looking to play your home games out of? That's a very good question. Um I've got, uh, I would rather not say right no, now. No, sure, sure. I've got my ideas yep. um, about where we should be playing. And there's there's probably three venues we mm-hmm. could. One would be Cooper Stadium, which mm. would be, um, we'd, we'd, we'd have to gauge by the interest that we get if we do make it, whether yeah. we could afford to play there because the rent, yeah, even it's though it's, mm. it's a a football-specific stadium mm. is owned by the government at the venue management, and Adelaide United, I understand, are paying a real lot of money just to go to that ground. It's yep. a beautiful ground. It's it's a it's a it's a perfect stadium for football. Mm. But when you've got to outlay maybe seventy thousand dollars per match, that that's a big yeah. jump. Yeah, it's a big jump. Yeah, you, know, you multiply that by twelve or 13, 14 home matches, mm. and you get up close to a million dollars just to hire the stadium. Um, then there's a couple of other venues that that we're looking at, which would be conducive. And was one is, um, I'd say this one, the home of the Adelaide Blue Eagles at Zuri, where um, back in 2004, the FIFA World Cup qualifiers of 2006 would play there, and Timmy Kale scored his first goal there, at a little right. small stadium. So that's a, it's a small stadium just outside of the um, city of Adelaide, and it's a, it's a good little club, and it's got. It's a nice little venue, and that's been upgraded now for the Women's World Cup in, in terms of a training venue. So, yeah. so that's one we'd be looking at, I, I would suspect, without consulting my board, and hopefully my board. <laughs> I consult you guys first before. Um... <laughs> well, <laughs> if, if the board would listen to it and give us their comments, they can feel free to. It's no problem. I'm we'll, sure if I didn't say that, We'll make it a loving. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Um Val, I want to touch a little bit on uh, your Australia Cup run from last year. Yeah. It's made it into the uh, the TV rounds, so to speak, mm-hmm. and uh, got put back on the national stage. And yeah. it looked as though it was a, a fantastic night um, down there in Adelaide and you had a big turnout. Can you talk us through a little bit of what that, what sort of impact that had on the club itself, that specific cup run in terms of, say, finances or interest, anything like that? Yeah, well, finance is not so much because obviously we've had to hire venues um, and, and and it puts – but the, the good aspect about us getting so deep into the cup run and I talk specifically about the time when we played Adelaide United and although Adelaide United was in pre-season, they're a professional football outfit and we played at Jeps Cross, um, the home of Football SA. It was about 3,300 people and I don't think – I am overestimating this, but I I, I reckon there was about two and a half thousand Adelaide City fans at, at that at that match, and we lost in a shootout. So, okay, Adelaide and United got through in a shootout, but also at the same time, and I said this back back in the day when uh, we did lose that match in a shootout. Could you imagine if our men were afforded the same training as Adelaide United? at that stage of the season, 
Are we much different? I don't think so. I don't think so. And and I'm saying not, and I've got to be, again, brutally honest, not because the NPL has grown in leaps and bounds. I think it's been the other way around. I think the gap's been closing because the A-League has suffered a little bit, um, probably post-COVID. The big-name imports aren't so, you know, uh, predominant at the moment. And But in saying that, the NPL has grown a little bit. The A-League, I think, has dropped. So I think we're getting closer and closer. And if we offered our teams the same training, the same sort of benefits, I think we'd be up there. There's not much difference. And uh, shout-out to, to Joey Costa as well. Who's, oh, he left us. Oh, I, no. Oh, I didn't realise he left. didn't realise. He, he went to Croatia. <laughs> oh, did he? He went to Croatia. Uh, yeah, he had to leave because of the uh, too much training. Uh, great guy. <laughs> he's <laughs> a good guy. A really good guy. Um, and uh, he's one of our products that, you know, was yeah. with our juniors and obviously played with our League United, had a lot of bad luck with two pretty bad knee injuries. Yeah. But I mean, for, for me, he every and you know he always he played mostly off the bench. But when he came in off the bench, he made yeah. an impact. Yeah. We miss him. Yeah. So if you know Joey, come no, back. No, we know Joey. Joey. We know Joey. We want Joey back. <laughs> we could use him this season. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, look, I know that you're lying mid table uh, this season, but uh, how do you think the rest of the season will go as far as uh, yeah, we've Adelaide struggled. Is concerned? We've, um, we we haven't had a brilliant. I mean, we're we're halfway through. Mm. Haven't been brilliant, but in saying that, there's a lot of games that we shouldn't drop. We shouldn't have dropped points. Sure. A couple of weeks ago, we played Campbelltown. I thought we were a better team. We lost two one. Um, but I think Paul Pezos will get him back into the groove now. Now stepping up training uh, up to four nights a week. We've got almost the same personnel. We've been hit by a lot of injury. We lost uh, your mud job the key striker last year went up to uh, Brisbane at the start of the season. I, th- I think the band will be getting back together and um, hopefully it, it'll start off. I mean, we're playing the second round of uh, the NPL. We're playing West Adelaide Hellas on the weekend where we started off with a 4-0 thumping in, in round one. And hopefully we can win this second time at West Beach and, and keep going. Then we've got Town in the Cup and hopefully we win that one. I don't think we're far off, but uh, they 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 have been struggling to to be quite fair. Val, it, changing tact a little bit, uh, I'd like to put I'd like to get you to put your uh, football journalist hat on for us now, because you've had a long career writing about the game in this country, and I want to ask you about the what you think the general state of play is for football in the news cycle with the journalistic approach as well, because we talked about it on a, a couple of times on this show that. There's a lot of football-specific journalists that are slowly being transferred into other sports or just moving away from the game altogether. What, what are your thoughts on just football journalism in Australia at the moment? Yeah, it's appalling, mm. I really have to say. Um, it's it's certainly declined over the last three years. And um, this is not bragging. I think this is factual. I think when News Corp decided to cull five of us on the same day, on uh, what was it, the, the 24th of June, 2020, because obviously Fox, mm. who I'm News Corp, weren't going to be a partner. And people were going, yeah, yeah, News Corp, journos, blah, blah, blah. Look what's happened. There's a massive hole. Mm. And, and that, that's sort of, it's not helped the game because in South Australia, um, 
we were getting stories daily. I was I was on the beat, always on football. And um in Melbourne was the same with the Herald Sun with David mm-hmm. Davidovich. Uh there was Matty Winley, you had Smithies of the Daily Telegraph. Yeah, that's right. Marco, Marco, the Courier Mail. And you take that away. That's that's a big chunk, you know. I think uh, good journos on the beach and football specific. And then in the mainstream media, so News Corp now have, have cut it back and they now new, use uh, NCA Newswire where Marco is still working, but he's covering several sports. And you've got Vince Regari, Sydney Morning Herald. But in 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 mainstream, it's really, really, it's uh, thinning out, which is not good for the game. And I... I've got to be. I mean, I've lost touch with a lot of the stuff as well. Mm. The new site is not there anymore. Um, there's a lot of journalists doing good work on social media, mm. but that's not the big sort of forum. And I think Football Australia need to actually get in there along with the other state. Oh, I can't call them federations because they're not federations, mm. and we're not anymore. But whatever they're called now, it's the World Football SA. They need to step up and and start getting involved because as far as I'm concerned, this um, the media coming out of the clubs, uh, Football SA, for example, football, it's not media, it's PR. We, we actually, if you if you want to grow the game, you need media. You need, you need, you need the other side of the story. You, you, you need, because PR is great. If you own a product and you want to promote your product and go, hey, look, look at this cup, this is a fantastic cup. You know, it's $2 and I can sell it for $2. Sport, is is emotional. You need balance. Mm. And for things to get better, sometimes you need criticism. You need to get people on the inside stories. And Vince Regari is doing a great job with that. Yeah. But there's only Vince Regari really at the moment. Yeah. And then and then even even with with Paramount, um, you don't get any debate. It's all no. yeah, it's really no, it's really good. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's really good. No, it's true. You're right. You're right. No debate. Yeah. And if you get debated, you might get a phone call saying, Hey, what are you doing debating our product? <laughs> Yeah, and if you don't get debate, if you all agree to do, if it's all good, it's all good. If it's not all good, mm-hmm. we're not going to get better being all good. Mm-hmm. I know people don't like criticism, but sometimes criticism in the sport needs to happen for you to get better. I mean, look at Spain, yep. England. Imagine if everything was all good in those countries. Do you think that Italy would have won four titles in the World Cup? No. You think Spain would be Real Madrid would be a powerhouse mm-hmm. if everything was all good? Or the English Premier League? No, it wouldn't. You need to beg to keep driving. You need to challenge. You need challenges all the time. We're not getting that in the media. And then we're losing. We're losing a generation of players that are that are coming through their profiles and, and are not getting out there. Okay, you're hearing about Nestor or Kunda. Mm. Okay, but you're not, say, uh, who's another young player we should be talking about? Uh, Jay Barnett, for example, Adelaide United. Mm. Calvius rated him as the best number six he's ever seen as a young number six in his life, in Calvius' life. Mm. <laughs> Where, where's the big story about it? And, and he what? would know. He should know because he know. played he striker. Yeah. Joe Gauchi, arguably the best goalkeeper Keeper. we've seen in more than mm. 30 years. Or 30 years, okay, Matt Ryan. Sorry, Matty. But, and, but he's a keeper that if he keeps going, he's going to be over and overseas. He's going to be playing in a big club. Mm. The stories they're pushed out by the club and paramount, but there's no debate. Yeah, Joe's a great keeper, but he's got a weakness here. Challenge it, but we're missing all that, and I miss that too. 
Yeah. Because it's not engaging yeah. for the viewers either. Mm. When no. everyone no. sits around on TV coverage or in the press and say everything's fantastic and there's no real discussion in a, in a positive and a negative light, people don't tune into that either. And well, I think a lot of people now are watching the games but not the studio programs. You're right. Because I can step out and drink a cup of tea, a mm. cup of coffee. <laughs> but you're right because they're, 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 there's no challenge there anymore. Mm. And I think for sport in particular, and in particular our sport where it's really emotional, mm. you need to challenge. You need to get to the bottom of it. And, yeah, you're going to put noses out of joint, but it all is for the betterment of the football right around. Everything's yeah. not all yeah. It's football. It's no, not you're football. right. You're right. Yep. Last question, just with regards to the Women's World Cup, what yep. are you hoping to see in SA with regards to the Women's World Cup and how it's received over there? Like, what are you hoping to see? Again, I've I've got to go on. We're, we're on the media, and it's it's really really sad um, at the moment in terms of the lack of media coverage for this tournament, and I've been lucky enough to work at two Women's World Cups. I worked at Canada for News Corps, and I did a little News Corps, I call it Corps, Corps, sorry, News Corps. <laughs> <laughs> and I did a little bit in France. Now, Canada is not a football country. It's a bit like us. So, yeah. so they've got ice hockey, yeah. um, American football, even lacrosse might, might even be bigger. But they elevated... Football got elevated to number one, and Canada all of a sudden turned into a football-loving country. We're in the same boat. France, you can't compare. It's a football country. Okay, you go to France, and it's everywhere, every newspaper, TV. <clears throat> We're, what, less than 100 days out from the Women's World Cup. The coverage has been abysmal. It's okay if you're inside the circle, where you get fed by uh, my Twitter feed. You read it. Mm. Uh, I'll get emails from Football Australia, from FIFA. Mm. I'm in the inner circle. If you're on the periphery, you don't know what's going on. The sad thing is, I think when the tournament hits, or just before it hits, we're going to see journalists from England piling in, filing all their stories back into England where they're going to get millions and millions of viewers and millions of hits. We're going to get the little nations coming in, you know, like Morocco, who else is playing here? Can't recall off the top. Mm. We're going to have all this media piling in, and our media, it's dormant regarding the Women's World Cup. That saddens me because for women, this is the number one single women's sport in the world, number one by a mile, by an absolute mile, and it's just lying there in the background. I'll wait till it comes. It'll, it'll go away within two weeks, and you know, I'll forget on with our lives. Oh, this is, We'll do something to help out the women. Totally wrong. We need to make – we need to lift. We need to lift it. If we're serious, we need to help. We need to help. We need to jump in and, and, and broaden – Get it out there somehow, because if we miss this boat, this is going to be a sad, sad day for women's football. Absolutely. Val, thank you very much for your time this evening and joining us on the back peg. Cheers, guys. Thank you very much.